You're listening to the Coffee and Clergy Podcast. I'm Pastor Scott, and we're glad that you're joining us today. You can watch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Wednesday mornings, or you can check us out in audio format wherever you get your podcasts. Without further ado, let's get into the conversation. Good morning and welcome back to Coffee and Clergy. Uh, this is a study on Ecclesiastes we're doing right now. I'm Pastor Scott Pitch and with me today is... I'm DC Paul Nelson. Paul so Nelson. Yeah, it's fun. I, 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 you know, in our year and a few months of doing this, I've been on the tech side and I've only gotten to be on this side twice and uh, last time was a few weeks ago. So, yeah, uh, well, we're to glad there. to have you uh, in the main Ecclesiastes study. I think yeah. you've done... Uh, the commission, commissioned edition. Did, that's true. We did. You did, and then uh, this past couple of weeks ago, you did the digital media. Yeah. Um, in ministry, so uh, that was a an awesome uh, thing to share, and so we're glad to have you with us yeah. again today. So glad to glad to be talking about Ecclesiastes and everything that's vanity. So. <laughs> oh yeah, such a meaningless pursuit, but we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> exactly. All right. So for those of you guys who are completely lost, if it's your first time with us, we're studying Ecclesiastes. A big part of Ecclesiastes is the idea of the biblical word hevel, um, and hevel once more. For those who uh, who have been around a lot of times for these, you know what it means. It means uh, it means something that is sort of uh, it, the a literal phrase for it is smoke or mm-hmm. mist. So it's like something that is real and tangible and there, but when you go to grasp it, it it vanishes. It's sort of a, a ephemeral to some degree. So it's meaningless. Yeah, it's meaningless. Yeah. It's meaningless is the word that they use for the translation. So if this is if this is your first time with us, we want to welcome you. Uh we I think I think this is week number It's eight. Eight Absolutely. for us, yeah. So we've got um we're we're uh in this study for eight weeks. We've been through so far the first uh seven full chapters of Ecclesiastes and we've got more to go. So mm-hmm. Uh, glad to have you on board, but if you wanted to start fresh, we'll just let you know. We save these podcast form uh, in podcast form on uh, on anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Just search for Coffee and Clergy. We also have them saved in a video form on YouTube and Facebook, and we do uh, live stream these on Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. So if you're with us live, obviously that's the case, but if you're <laughs> listening later and want to listen in live, you can catch us then. Um, so perhaps we should begin with a prayer. So I'll open this with a prayer, if that works. So please join me in prayer. God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for your word, which is before us today, and pray that your Holy Spirit would move in our midst, that we might grow in understanding of wisdom, of the fear of the Lord, and that we might have a better comprehension of what it means to be content in this life. I give you thanks for Paul, who's here with us today to share uh, in a good conversation around your word, and pray that uh, the the preacher, the teacher, uh, would continue to uh, enlighten us with his wisdom, and that the Holy Spirit would do uh, the same uh, to a greater extent today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So last time we left off, 
Uh, we finished up chapter 7, and so we're going to read uh, chapters 8 and chapters 9 yeah, to, today. Nine there. Yeah. And so um, we'll begin with uh, Ecclesiastes 8, and what we're going to read... Um, we're going to read the whole thing today. Yeah. So um, so we'll just read chapter 8? Yep, go ahead and let's hop right into the reading today. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Who is like the wise, and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, What are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit, or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun, when man had power over man to his hurt. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place, and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God, because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow, because he does not fear God. Be, fear before God. There is a vanity that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens, according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens, according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. And I commend joy, for man has no good thing under the sun, but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep. Then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out that the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. All right. So Paul was reading, I'm assuming, the ESV, correct? I, It is the yeah. ESV version, so a so little bit heavy. There's a couple of different phrasings there. I noticed that you, you, the ESV uses vanity, where right. we would say in the mm. NIV, meaninglessness. Mm. Um, but it's I, I always like to have varying translations from time to time, because it helps to... Uh, we we realize that the NIV nor the ESV just fell down from heaven. That we have uh, the Bible only in its original Greek and its original Hebrew, and so we have to make decisions when we translate it into English. And mm. so um, that's one of the reasons I I really like to bring in as many translations as possible, um, as long as they're highly regarded translations, so we can understand uh, you know a little bit more perhaps about what those words mean. Um, yeah. A great example is the word hevel, right? No, right? None of the direct translations write smoke or vapor or mist. Right. They, they, they know that that's not what the teacher's getting at. Is right. that it's it doesn't, literally? It doesn't grasp the full meaning of the word, mm -hmm. literally. Yeah, <laughs> literally. So they, so they do a sort of translational thing, and so the ESV goes vanity, 
and we go meaningless stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, because I mean, I, I know when I uh, I work with our children and youth, and with uh, our synod, you usually use our, our standard is ESV. Mm-hmm. But I know ESV when we when we give books or Bibles to like second graders with ESV, it's a tenth grade le- reading level. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely little little thicker. Uh, yeah, but uh, I can leave me sometimes scratching my head absolutely. and saying, well, "I don't know what that word means." I better go get my dictionary. So, so yeah, um, so good, good chapter. Uh, good, you know, some some deep thoughts on on what it what is power, what is um, control, and who is in control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it starts off, um, you know, with two rhetorical questions, right? Yep. Um, who is like the wise, and who knows the interpretation of a thing? So what is the point behind these two questions? Yeah, uh, I think that uh, this is not a, a question that he's literally asking the reader to answer. Because if, honestly, if we did answer it, our answer would be, well, who is wise? No one. And who knows the interpretation of a thing accurately? Not many. And this, to me, draws my mind into like characters from the Old Testament, like uh, Joseph, right? Joseph was an interpreter of dreams. David was an interpreter of dreams and and so who can interpret who can who is wise that's an example of God's wisdom in those I say those it's people. it's not that they could interpret mm-hmm. it's that God, God allowed them to interpret exactly it enabled them to interpret yeah he, he equipped them to and that's the definition of wisdom right is to right. allow God to speak right and so um why are these questions asked or praised I think this really touches into or plugs into the, his trying to sum up his findings so far. So you get the 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 reminder that the teacher is on a mission, and he's kind of got like this this uh, scientific mindset that he's going to experiment and tweak and test and try all the things under the sun that you can do to try and find purpose and meaning in life. And so he's so far shut down a lot of things, right? Time doesn't give any, life doesn't give any, work doesn't give any, wisdom doesn't really give any, foolishness doesn't really give any purpose or meaning or anything like that. And so he's sort of restating that. He gets to the end of chapter 7 after making all those arguments, and he comes to this this conclusion. He says, well, then who is like the wise person and who knows the interpretation of a thing? And he kind of leaves it rhetorical because there's, the the only answer you can derive from the context of the rest rest of the chapter is nobody is right, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really matter or have any real meaning. Yeah, so. it's it's a really uh, it's a humbling reminder yeah. that that none of us are truly wise, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, and and we'll flesh this out. But yeah, so then we went on the verses ten through thirteen. The the preacher returns to the concept of fearing God, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked about that last week. And, and yet he admits, too, that people do not always get what they deserve. Hmm. The evil prevail while the righteous suffer. How does the teacher instruct us as God-fearing people to accept this as a reality and remain faithful to God in spite of it? That's a, I mean, he's restating his supposition is yeah. that Ecclesiastes, the whole reason why it's being written is because he, the the author of of the Proverbs says righteous people should be blessed, evil people should be punished. Mm. But the 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 preacher in Ecclesiastes is like, but that's not the way life works at all. At least it's not a a, a consistent guide yeah. or rule for life. That's generally 
how it works. Evil men, because of the nature of their evil, end up being punished for that evil in life, typically, yeah. but not all the time. Or, or you know, it appears like happiness, but there's there's deep issues that are not being addressed. Or, the, yeah. you know, you can, uh, you know, I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul type of thing. You yeah. Know? Um, well, see, and then you have, like, You've got statements by by rich people who say whoever said money can't buy happiness has never driven in a Lamborghini Murcielago before, because <laughs> that, that's what they they say is like that's happiness for them. Yeah, they don't understand the real nature oftentimes of happiness and right. and r- the real nature of the purpose of life is not happiness, mm-hmm. it's not fulfillment in Lamborghinis or anything else. Mm-hmm. So they can justify. Uh, a wicked person can justify their wickedness very easily. That's not a struggle at all for them. Yeah, um, but but then in the end, it, it comes down to, you know, what is good, what is happiness, and God's will may not appear like happiness to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but but when we follow God's will for our lives, there is, is joy, there's blessings that we don't always understand or comprehend, but... Um, we know that that God's will is best for us, yeah, and we trust that, and and we fear and respect that mm, definitely. And you brought out the J word. I think that's the real difference between happiness and joy. Mm. Joy is something which finds its fulfillment not in the the pleasure of the moment, but in the contentment of the moment and the contentment yeah. of the continuation of God's presence in our lives. Joy is different than absolutely. Happiness. Okay. Um. Yeah, maybe move on to the next question. Yeah. So then in, in the, the next two verses, verses 14 and 15 in chapter 8, the preacher says that it is vanity, or meaningless, that the wicked appear to escape judgment and instead receive blessings, mm-hmm. and that there is no satisfying explanation for why the righteous receive the treatment due to the wicked. He instructs the hearer to focus instead on the gifts God gives us that we enjoy. So why is it wise to take the preacher's advice in this regard? I think because otherwise you drive yourself nuts. Yeah. <laughs> right? If you try and go if you try and rail against God and say, Why God, why do you allow wickedness to continue and do you allow bad things to happen to good people? You spend your whole life railing against God because you see it all the time. It's not right. the most common thing, but you the the injustice of the the righteous getting what's bad and the, the unrighteous getting what's good is enough to make you you know, forget the common everyday blessings of God and the common everyday justices of God against evil. So you would just rail against God nonstop if that was the case. It's the common thing with, like, if you have siblings, right? Mm -hmm. And, oh, (laughs) you know, your older brother gets to go to bed later than you do, and you say, that's not fair. And your parent says, well, life's not fair. Sorry, Jimmy. You know, (laughs) and and that's... That's true. That just life's not fair, um, and uh, you know, looking back to like ninth and tenth commandment, you know, do not covet. You know, really, it, it, it's important to not focus on well, what does someone else have, but what do I have, and yep. how has God blessed me? And in you know, um, going back to joy, you know, there can be. Uh, family that is rich and has everything and is not happy or joyful. And there can be a homeless man that happened to have a dog 
you know, be, as a companion that has the most joy in life. Mm. You know, um, things don't make us happy. It, it's knowing what blessings we do have in life and what we're blessed to have. This, this uh, whether it's a dog, whether it's food, whether it's this breath. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's the teacher's recommendation when he says you can spend your entire life trying to justify all the stuff that God allows and doesn't allow. Yeah. Or you can just be content and have that joy. Uh, because you will find no joy if you're constantly trying to figure out why God doesn't punish evil all the time right? and why he allows wickedness to to yeah. make people suffer who are generally righteous. Well, it's, it's a struggle because, you know, is God just then? And we say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in in understanding his will, he, you know, uh, whenever I've been upset with someone else, you know, or, or if I've been wronged, you know, uh, or if I see bad things in the world, you know, my parents have reminded me, you know, vengeance is the Lord's. Hmm. And so we leave that to God to deal with in his own just ways and uh, and don't worry about it myself because yep. it's uh, it's in God's it's in the hand of God it's which is our theme today yeah. so and we like to think that uh, you know when we have this balanced scale between wickedness mm. and righteousness where do we like to put ourselves on the good side on the good side we're, <laughs> we're among the righteous right well there is no one who's righteous right. there's no one who who's, does good who's not the wise one man single yeah. person who's the wise man yeah who's the one who who truly fears God no one not one right and so we, if there's any, if there's any mercy at all, if there's any uh, goodness shared with anybody, it's purely merciful God, right. God at work. It's truly His goodness, His undeserved goodness, which we call grace. Right. As soon as we start to tip the scales in reality, uh, then we're thankful that God is uh, just, but in the sense of He has paid for our sins. Yeah. Um, that uh, that he is just in that those sins are paid for, but paid for by their son and not us. Yeah. So that that's a good definitely. All right, shall we read chapter nine now? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to read all of chapter nine. It looks like we go to verse twelve, mm-hmm. so I'll read that part and then um, end end there. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and follow along with me. And I'm reading from the NIV, Paul. So you'll have to do some translation in your own in your own mind. <laughs> So I reflect on all this and concluded that the righteousness and that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. But no man knows whether love or hate awaits him. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good man, so with the sinner. As it is with those who take oaths so it is with those afraid to take them this is the evil in everything that happens under the sun the same destiny overtakes all the hearts of men moreover are full of evil and they are and there is madness in their hearts while they live and afterward they join the dead anyone who is among the living has hope even a live dog is better off than a dead lion so the living know that they will die, but the dead know not know nothing. They have no further reward, and even the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hate, 
and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Go, eat your food with gladness, and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for it is now that God favors what you do. Always be clothed in white, and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy, enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life, and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave where you are going, there is neither working nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong. Nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no man knows when his hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net, or birds are taken in a snare, so men are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. Yeah, that is definitely a translation. <laughs> I did not. Most of the time, I I think NIV and ESV aren't that different, but the wording in this is pretty different. Definitely mixed around. So, um, man, uh, it just kind of before we move on, just it made that last section about the the time and chance mm. made me think of Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> Man, if he, if you don't know, Uncle Rico and Napoleon Dynamite is is all he's the typical single middle aged man that could have totally glory days won in high school. He could have gone to NFL if only coach had put him in. In the fourth quarter, if we'd won state, no doubt, no doubt, no life. doubt. Yeah, but uh, nope, was did not get the chance. So um, I'd have met my soulmate. <laughs> So, but, uh, yeah, so looking at chapter 9, in what ways does the phrase, our, our, our theme for today is in the hand of God. So in what ways does the phrase in the hand of God offer security when confronted with the reality that we will all face death? The reality that the teacher is putting in front of us is, is an utter whirling dervish of a world. It's like if there's no, if there's no, like, mathematical, like, cause and effect, where I'm good, therefore good things happen to me, I act evilly, therefore I will be punished, then what in the world are the rules of this place we live in? It seems like it's just chaos. There's no purpose, there's no meaning, there's no direction. And so you feel like you're you're kind of in caught in a whirlwind and you don't know north from south, you don't know mm. forward, back, you're, you're just lost. You don't know where you are. And God puts his hand out and holds you in that. So that's the only thing that you have to anchor yourself in this kind of chaotic mm. world. The only thing you, you can find that has any stability is that God's got you. Yeah. And that's really the, the I think, a, appropriate kind of way to imagine ourselves in this world. If we think we have control, if we think we have stability, if we think we know how to orient ourselves without God, we quickly find that the world is a crazy whirlwind where things don't line up the way they should. But if we find our stability and and our and our control in God, then we we have some semblance of yeah. ability to navigate this life. And nothing really showed that quite like the pandemic, right? Yeah, you know, you um, everyone had these you know 
we yeah five year vision plans twenty year vision you know whatever out the window mm-hmm. um, you know because because uh, the focus wasn't on your plan it was on your health and your family um, you know it was on your job keeping your job if you could mm-hmm. um, you know and through all of that we have been in the hand of God yeah and that like you said, I like the the image of an anchor. Um, that uh, that that is the the one thing we can rely on in this world yep. of chaos. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, that uh, that's a that's a trust. That's a fear and respect. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, that we are not our own. So, um, so how does this viewpoint of life and day de- de- life and death? Uh, how does this viewpoint of life and you're moving up north I don't know what's going to work on the opposite of that accent (laughs) so how does this viewpoint of life and death relate to Deuteronomy 33.3 which I think we probably should read let's go ahead and read it yeah I can grab that well I was I opened right to Deuteronomy and then I turned the page and ended up in Joshua so I'll get there in a second here Um, 33.3 all right Surely it is you who love the Lord, who love the people. All the holy ones are in your hand. At your feet they all bow down, and from you receive instruction. So, you see some similar themes there about uh, not only the fact that God has you, but what our response is to that. Um, our response to God's lovingly and you know, holding us and, and keeping us firm is that we honor and worship him. We bow down to him. Um, we follow. We receive his instruction and follow it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah that, you know, it's kind of like that. Uh, now I guess I have a whirling dervish in my head uh, <laughs> thinking that. And that hand um, guiding us, pulling us through that. Yeah. You know, and it, as much as it's following, uh, the Holy Spirit pulls us through that that dervish and mm-hmm. um um, guides us and so yeah um but yeah it's, it's absolutely um there's god's action and our response which is a pretty yeah. uh long gospel there it is i mean that's <laughs> that's the thing when when we're talking in in chapter nine just it's a short chapter but really to me it's sort of the hinge point of the whole book mm. because he's sort of he says a lot of individual things, but to me, this is his main thesis stated until this point is that there's a lot of things you can search for that will, will make, give life some sort of structure or meaning or purpose or direction, but it all kind of, after a few minutes, it, it kind of erodes and you're left back in that crazy whirlwind of a place. The only thing where you find a common direction for anybody is we're all headed towards the grave Mm. that's a that's a pretty brutal assumption matter of fact you could call you could call chapter nine like the the christian yolo chapter it's a reminder (laughs) we only live once so make your life worth worth having lived now the the kind of the kind of secular understanding of that phrase yolo means you only live once so be crazy don't say no to anything don't you know utilize your wisdom just be you know go crazy and have as many experiences as you can which is not a, a good a good life you know direction yeah. for you but but certainly there's something here the teacher is alluding to is like you do only live once so don't waste it on frivolous pursuits don't 
don't s- devote your life to worrying about why the world is the way it is. Don't devote your life to seeking after these broken things that won't provide any stability. Instead, focus on enjoying the gifts God has given to you and find your anchor. I'll go back to that word in mm. in God and in Him alone. Yeah. You kind of hope for a chapter like this after we've gone through eight chapters of uh, wisdom is meaningless, folly is meaningless, power is meaningless. All these things are meaningless. You know, there's a time for everything under the sun. Um, but the anchor point yep. is God. That's that's good. Yeah. So I, this is a fun phrase. I don't know if it's a fun phrase, but it's, uh, you know, uh, you don't hear similes like these as much, you know. <laughs> A living dog is better than a dead lion. Um, I did not hear that phrase growing up very much. Um, but So what does it mean? <clears throat> very good Lutheran question. What does I, this mean? I think even in today's culture, we sort of get what it means. It means that uh, you get the sort of, which is greater, the dog or the lion? Well, obviously the lion is the greatest of beasts, right? And so which was better to be a, a dead great thing or a, or a living, minuscule, common thing. Right. But you also have to bring into it the Jewish understanding of, of the dog, right? Mm. The dog was sort of, has the same connotation of like a pig. It's like a dirty, filthy animal, and it's not very highly regarded. Mangy mutt. It's a mangy mutt, yeah. It's disease spreader. Like, you don't want them uh, as pets. You know, you, you kind of keep them in, out, you know, out there to get rid of, you know, over, overpopulated prey animals. And that's really about all you do with, with a dog. You know, they, they're, you know, you would call people dogs and it would be an insult sort of right. the way you would call someone, uh, you know, I don't know. We have, we still call them the female version of a dog sometimes. Yeah. So we should do that. It's not so or nice. Labradoodle. But, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Labradoodle. <laughs> that's a nice word. Next time you, next time you're angry at somebody, just call. look at them square in the eyes and say, you Labradoodle. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but it, you, the, in that context, it's like the dog is really a low animal. Yeah. And the lion, I mean, the lion of Judah, the lion is this right. majestic, powerful, powerful, kingly creature. But uh, it, it, it's saying, what is the worth of a dead lion? It's not worth near as much as a living dog. And it just shows the value of life and death. It's which is better, a, a living beggar, homeless person, or a dead billionaire, you know, it, the, the, the living, you know, drug addict still has the ability to make something of his life. A dead billionaire, I mean, it, he, first of all, he can't take the billions with him. Right. All he really had was the reputation he made in life, and, and he's gone. He can't change or improve or, or you know, or anything about right. his, his life. Well, and, and the important thing is the verse that it's quoting is verse 4 mm-hmm. in chapter 9. Which is, but my my translation says, but he who is joined with all the living has hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Yep. Um, that that importance that when we have, as long as we're alive, we have hope. Yep. Um, and the the joy and hope for Christians is that this life, no matter how meaningless it may feel, and and in a lot of concepts, really is meaningless. We have a purpose, and we have a lifelong purpose, and we have an eternal life purpose mm-hmm. um, that it doesn't end here. And there's that hope at, as we have our lives in the hand of God. Yeah. Um, what a, what a beautiful expression of 
what I mean when I say I'm pro-life, right? Mm. We don't want to get into the politics too much, but I think a lot of times pro-life just means anti-abortion, but pro-life actually means a lot more than that. It means there is value in being alive. There's value in the gift of life which God gives to all human beings, whether they're two weeks after conception or two seconds after conception or 100 years old. There's value in every single life that God has has made and created. Absolutely. That's why I try and think, you know, not to add another term for or label, but, you know, I try to think whole pro-life. Yeah. You know, um, every life matters, whether Mm -hmm. it's in the womb, whether it's on the street, whether it's in the suburbs. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Has purpose, has meaning, has uh, blessings from God, has, um, has been made a part of the living and therefore they have hope. Yeah, it's a difficult phrase. Right? So then looking at verses 7 through 9, how does the preacher advise us to live in light of the fact that death is a reality? <laughs> Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's what I thought about when Absolutely. I read these verses. It's yeah. not, my, my translation does say, go eat your bread with joy and drink yep. your wine with a merry heart. Yep. Sounds very, you know, Lord of the Rings, you yeah. know, when's our second breakfast? And, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's it's so interesting because that phrase is used to say, like, if 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 the resurrection has no meaning, then we should just go eat, drink, and be merry for today we die. It's basically showing why YOLO is wrong. Hmm. It's saying you only live once is wrong because th- for Christians, well, for all people, there there is life after death. And so the consequences of the life we live today resonate in that life eternal. And so we can't say eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die because that has consequences for our eternity. But here we get a slightly different tilt on that yeah. because of his explanation up till now. The author is, or the the preacher, the teacher here is showing us that he's thought through this and he's pointing us to not become hedonist and and indulge in life, you know, without thinking, but instead to simply appreciate the simple pleasures of life mm-hmm. while we are here, since we only have today's life guaranteed. We don't have mm. tomorrow's life guaranteed. And so we are to rejoice in God's abundant blessings. And when you look at the blessings he lays out, it starts with food and drink, but it goes beyond that, right? It talks about clothing. It talks about your wife. It talks about finding a purpose um, during the days of your life because the days of your life are hevel. Right. And this is where I don't like the translation meaningless because it becomes a nihilistic thing to some yeah. degree in, in this translation. If all, if all the days of our life are truly meaningless and if all the purposes with which we engage ourselves are, per, are truly meaningless and purposeless, that's not a very bright future either. That's why hevel is better. If it's like... That that smoke idea. If all of the days of your life are there, but they're they're smoke, they're mm-hmm. hard to grasp onto, then enjoy the fact that it's there. Mm-hmm. Don't it, go try and grasp it's it. It's kind of like the the passage in the New Testament about the um, do not worry about for tomorrow about tomorrow, tomorrow. because t- today has enough worries of its own. Mm-hmm. It's almost a different spin of don't worry about your blessings or what you will have tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Enjoy what you have today. Today, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so enjoy the food and drink that you have. Yep. Enjoy the the clothes you have. Enjoy the loved ones in your life. Yep. Or perhaps 
yeah, I think that enjoy is a good word, but be content with. Yeah. Um, so don't indulge in those things. Don't right. place the entirety of your purpose and your meaning in life in those things. But by the same token, don't lament over all the things you have no control over and deny the contentment that you could have in all of God's blessings. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all the questions we have today, so I think we're going to be a little bit quicker. We got through these chapters pretty quick, um, but I think there's some good stuff here, and I hope that you uh, you found uh, a, a blessing today from hearing them. Um, so I guess let's close in a prayer. Paul, do you mind closing us out in a prayer Absolutely. today? Go ahead. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you that you bring meaning and hope to our lives every day. I ask you to please just uh, bless all those who listen that uh, they, w- they would hear that hope, that they would know that hope, and that they would know you. And uh, just uh, bless us as we go, Lord, that uh, we would be content in what you have blessed us and to trust that uh, you hold us in your hand. And all that we would say and do, we would glorify you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, have a great day in the Lord, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Coffee and Clergy podcast. We're glad you could join the conversation. Coffee and Clergy is a ministry of King of Kings Lutheran Church in Chesterfield, Missouri. You can catch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Wednesday mornings, and we post the podcast on Thursdays. For more information, check out our website at www.kokstl.org. Blessings on your day, and we'll see you next time.